Hey everyone, this is Caleb from the future. It looks like I messed up the audio this time and recorded the episode with the mic on my shitty earbuds. So I sound like crap the whole time. And you can also hear Mac a little bit in the background as I'm speaking. So sorry about that. Anyways, let's uh, get to the episode. I heard that noise again. Yes. What are they doing about it? Well, we have to wait. Wait, but... What for? For one of those awful creatures to come and attack us all? Now, Victoria, it's not as bad as all that, you know. Isn't it? Even you don't know really how bad it is, do you? Well, no, not exactly. Every time we go anywhere, something awful happens with Dalek Cybermen. Yeti. Yes, and Yeti. Why can't we go anywhere pleasant where there's no fighting? Just peace and happiness. And thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Mac. And I'm Caleb. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And today, we're going to be watching Fury from the Deep. Uh, Fury from the Deep was written by Victor Pemberton, was directed by Hugh David, and produced by Peter Bryant. It aired March 16th, 1968 to April 20th, 1968. And also, an additional fun fact about this episode, it is the one Second Doctor episode that doesn't have the word the at the beginning of the title. (laughs) The one and only. It's a very, very exclusive group it's part of. (laughs) Uh, But yes, this this episode is animated, so I'm going to be recording the dvd and then sending it to you one at a time and it'll be great fun it'll be good fun it won't be stressful at all definitely not and yeah apparently this is one of patrick trouton and deborah watling's favorite episodes so i'm hoping it's good (laughs) i guess we'll find out we've we've had episodes before was like oh yeah this is blank's favorite episode and then it was just absolute shit (laughs) and that's usually how it is actually yeah Maybe my my hopes aren't quite as high as I initially thought. But, uh, Caleb, uh, given everything you know about Doctor Who and given the title of this episode, Fury from the Deep, what do you think this episode is going to be about? The Doctor seem, seems like he's unable to escape Earth because they end up, uh, I'm going to say the future-ish, near future, where they have to fight the mythical leviathan from the bible if they're fighting sea monsters okay it's, it's sense and sensibility and sea monsters <laughs> sense and sensibility and sea monsters okay not bad it's really weird it's really weird caleb anytime that uh you make predictions about episodes that i know for a fact actually do happen later <laughs> <laughs> so you're like yes but no (laughs) yes but also no but uh yeah i want to go ahead and get right into it so i can start recording these and sending it to you so on that note we will see you all in the future let's get going (laughs) 
And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was a little over a week for us, about eight days. Not too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. Before we begin, there's a couple of post-view notes that I really got to get into. Uh, the first is that this episode marks the first appearance of the Doctor's Sonic Screwdriver. This episode shows the departure of Deborah Watling as Victoria Waterfield. And I would argue the most important one out of all of them is that the main villain is called the Weed Creature. And the last episode came out on 420, 1968. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's all you need to know. <laughs> that's awesome. That's it. That's everything. Wrap it up. There's, a, there's also, an, an, like, the, the animators had to have known what they were doing here, but there's another 420 reference later. <laughs> but uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but uh, Caleb, general thoughts. What did you think of Fury from the Deep? Uh, I actually really like this episode. I think it's my favorite like, besides Enemy of the World. Which is... Very, very, very interesting to me for several reasons, not the least of which being it's actually fairly low on my rankings. Really? Yeah. It's not like... Well, I mean, technically looking at my list, I suppose it is bottom five. Um... <laughs> oh, what? But, 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 I am totally willing to change my opinion. This isn't Twitter. Um... I'm willing to change my opinion, and you can you can convince me otherwise. Uh, but for the most part, I was not impressed with this episode, and um, I suppose we'll get <laughs> get into why. But um, I've been re-listening to our um, I've been re-listening to our podcast, and um, and I was just listening to the Reign of Terror today, and we had the similar <laughs> similar thing last time. My argument, Mac, is fuck you. That's why it's awesome. Oh, so this is Twitter then. <laughs> Fuck you, you're wrong. And not only are you wrong, you're a reprehensible person. <laughs> it feels like it's been longer since I've watched this than it actually has been. I, I think there's enough in this in this story where I'm like, yeah, okay, this this definitely checks a lot of boxes for Caleb. It's got a it's got a um a weird amorphous enemy that's not really like a villain villain but mm -hmm. some sort of like existential threat yeah honestly you know you want to know what it is and it's it's a um it's a criticism that gets thrown at the troutland era a lot um i think i'm just kind of starting to get bored with the uh base under siege plot that's structure <laughs> and, and that's it i mean it's it's all the base episodes still yeah <laughs> uh this one i would say this one has more of like a schlocky like b-movie horror vibe to it it definitely does which is 100 percent my jam <laughs> on the dvd i might i might just record this and send it to you it also one of the bonus features is all surviving footage and it's not a lot it's just like a couple of snippets of uh like seconds of episodes uh but you do get to see like at in the last episode when like they're fully weed creatures and they're like they're lumbering towards them that is definitely some b-movie schlock and i will <laughs> i will try i'll try and get that to you <laughs> yes please do i'm i know in almost every episode that i'm glad it's animated because it probably would look stupid otherwise yeah probably <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and dive in, shall we? Yeah, let's dig into it. Fury from the Deep, 
Episode 1. The TARDIS appears over the open sea and somehow levitates on the water. The Doctor, Jamie, and Victoria row a boat to shore and realize they are on the coast somewhere in England. They discover some weird foam on the beach and naturally roll around in it. They then find a massive pipe and hear something inside it. However, they are tranquilized before they can find out what it is. They awaken in a nearby facility where they are accosted by Robson, the facility manager. Another scientist explains that they are where they are and what's going on, and that the facility has lost contact with one of the rigs offshore. After everyone leaves, the travelers work together to try and escape their holding cell. Harris sends his wife Maggie to get a briefcase, and she is stung by a seaweed hidden inside. Robson argues with a man named Van Lutyens, who argues that Robson is being reckless and disregarding concerns about the pipeline. Victoria gets locked in a room where foam and sentient seaweeds leak through the ventilation grills. Now, how do you say the Van Lutyen name? Because I I feel yeah. like they... I feel like they only said it once, but I cannot for the life of me remember what it's, it actually It's funny. It's funny you say that because I am I distinctly remember them saying that name several times. It's Van Lutchens. Van Lutchens. Nope, it's Van yes. Lutchens. There's the T and a Y. <laughs> well, what was he? He's um, he's like some sort of like Dutch. He's, he's like from another. Was it Dutch? I think so. Tardis Wiki says yeah. Dutch, so it must be true. Okay. Okay, yeah. Um, I was like, he's either he's either Dutch or Polish. I can't remember. If it was, if it was Polish, his name would be even more harder to pronounce. <laughs> here's here's a trivia fact that I've actually been holding on to because I almost said it in the relevant episode, but I was like, no, that's a spoiler. Tomb of the Cybermen is the one time that uh, Victoria ever leaves Earth after she joins the TARDIS team. Oh. Every single one of her adventures... After she gets off Scaro, every single one of her adventures is on Earth. Interesting. <laughs> uh, the reason I say that is because once again they lampshade it, and they're like, "It's like, oh look, we seem to be on your Earth again." Funny how that keeps happening. <laughs> yeah, and like Jamie says something like, "Oh, you must have like the setting locked in on this place." <laughs> yeah, something like that. Something like that. I don't remember. Also, I'm fairly certain this is the first time that the TARDIS hasn't landed on like an actual thing. Because it lands, like, on the water's surface, and then they have to, like, get a rowboat <laughs> and go to shore. Yeah, my, my immediate question was, where did the rowboat come from? And then also, I, hasn't the TARDIS, like, actually sank before or been swept away by water? Yes, technically. In the Smugglers, uh, the high tide came up, so they couldn't get to the TARDIS until the tide went back down. I, I, it landed on the water. I was like, hmm, that, that's new. That's a new thing. I think that... I think that actually also happened in the Time Meddler. I don't remember. <laughs> let's let's go ahead and address something real quick. The animation's not terrible, but uh, it does not do facial expressions well. No, and like, but I almost like it more this way because it's not this weird. Some parts look pretty dang good, and the rest of it is bad. It's all just kind of meh across the board, and that makes it yeah. way more tolerable. I think. You want to know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like. You know, in uh, PS2 graphics, when someone, like, changes face, like, a facial expression, it's literally just, like, a different face image has now been put on the, mm -hmm. put on the 3D model. Yeah, like, like, in Kingdom Hearts, it, like, zooms in on Clayton's uh, mouth, and he says, after all, the jungle can be a dangerous place. And then just, like, instantly, it goes, it's, like, 
uh, normal speaking mouth to suddenly toothy smile. Like, that's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. My first note is, what's this weird stuff? Here, let's roll around in it. <laughs> Which was improvised by the actors, by the way. That the uh, the the foam party that they went to was not <laughs> was not in the script. The director's offset throwing a script on the ground. <laughs> God damn it, Troughton! <laughs> it looks like jizz. A little bit. A little bit. It's all I could think but, the whole time. Foam is very relevant in this episode, and it just looks like a lot of jizz the whole time. I was just like, like the entire time they were doing that, I was like, "Come on, guys! Didn't we like we just dealt with?" fungus in the last episode are we let's not let's not play around in this shit that we don't know what it is maybe that's a thought yep yep Uh, my exact thought too i make this note but then i don't remember ever disliking it again i I have the note what the fuck is this music oh because like it's like this really bouncy like synthesizer sound yeah like during during the phone party Mm -hmm. you mean yeah yeah it's very very bouncy, very jovial. Yeah, it's very weird. <laughs> I didn't like it one bit. But uh, Mac, there's also another big first for this episode that I know. Uh, what's up? This is the introduction of the sonic screwdriver, which I thought was yes. going to be more of a thing. Yes, it is the introduction of the sonic screwdriver. It's really funny because the sonic screwdriver as it is now is just literally just a screwdriver (laughs) it just he points it at a thing and then screws get undone give it a couple of years it's just gonna be a magic wand that solves all of his problems (laughs) but for right now it is just a sonic screwdriver (laughs) uh because like he pulls out he's like oh why is a sonic screwdriver and points at the thing and like the screws come undone i was like oh i thought that would be like a thing he like that would be like his like rare weapon he found after you killed a dragon or something right it's funny because after he uses it uh he's like never fails and he sticks it back in his pocket i'm like never fa- asshole this is the first time you've even mentioned it <laughs> i know and the first th- now i'm getting ahead of myself but in that twice upon a time episode the first doctor is confused but he's acting like he's had it the whole time i don't understand mac yeah which means that he must have like built it some point like early in the second doctor's time because first doctor had no idea what he was and then the episode and then twice upon a time happens and he dies and so at some point second doctor must have built the sonic screwdriver it's like it happened in a dream (laughs) (laughs) i i I need a i need a very detailed timeline of the sonic screwdriver one of you doctor who nerds get on it (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure it's out there i'm sure there's some sort of obscure book or comic or whatever that goes into detail about the doctor building the sonic screwdriver for the first time and i don't care at all not even a little <laughs> and then they all get fucking shot yeah i know great i, I make the go <laughs> i make the note again yes someone else who understands the doctor must be shot <laughs> Because they're just, like, walking along the beach, and then all of a sudden, the camera changes to a point of view from, like, a sniper scope. (laughs) And all of a sudden, Jamie goes down, and then Victoria, and then the doctor. And it's like, and my nose is just like, well, they're all dead. (laughs) Apparently, it was just a really, really precise tranquilizer dart. That can shoot hundreds of yards away. (laughs) I think I used something like that in Far Cry. Then they get to the base. They're going to be there for a while. His name is Harris, right? Uh, Robson is the asshole. 
Robson's the asshole, Harris and Harris... Is the, Harris is the one who looks like he's trying to grow a mustache. <laughs> but failing, yeah. It's really weird. I guess the doctor just has an honest face or something, but, like, this guy just goes into, like, explicit detail about all the shit that's going wrong at the base right now. <laughs> all the technical difficulties. And I'm like, is there no, like, NDA you had to sign at some point with... <laughs> when starting here because as far as they all know the doctor was like sabotaging it because he you know did the sonic screwdriver thing well that's what robson uh kind of accuses them of doing it was like aha i caught you finally um and then harris is the one who's like oh yeah this is the stuff that's been going on it's really weird yeah but harris doesn't have any reason to not think that and so i don't know why he's going to such detail yeah of all the shit that's going down I don't know. It's called exposition, Mac. You, you gotta tell the audience somehow. <laughs> yeah, but, like, they can do that other than, I don't know, they could have Harris and Robson have a, have a conversation, which they do, more like an argument. There's actually a surprising amount of arguments in this episode that don't involve the Doctor. Yeah, yeah. Or this it's... story, this whole arc, there's a bunch of arguments that have anything to do with the Doctor. There... I fucking hate Robson. <laughs> I fucking hate this douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> It's getting a little into spoiler territory, but I have a note of, I really hope Robson is just an asshole and not under the control of the seaweed. And it's kind of both. He is an asshole, and then he gets under the control of the seaweed, and he's just more of an asshole. <laughs> There's a bunch of technical fairs going on, and Van Lutchens wants to shut the gas pipe down so they can figure out what's going on. And Robson has this amazing record where the pipe has never been fucking turned off while he's been in charge. And God forbid that's going to happen, or that's going to change at any point. They might take away my plaque. Yeah, I, I liken Robson kind of to, um, not necessarily personality-wise, but he's very similar story-wise to Clint from Ice Warriors, in that they're both in charge of a base and I can't fucking stand them. Yep, it is a base. Robson does kind of have a redemption by the end of it, at least a little bit, unlike Clint, but... Really? It, I mean, a little <laughs> bit. He's less of an asshole towards the doctor by the end of it. That's super odd because, like, I I think Robson is super shady by the end of the story. But we'll get to that. We'll get to <laughs> we'll that. Get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But yeah, so he refused to shut the pipe down, and there's basically the gas is fuel. It's like natural gas. It sounds like yeah. And there's these offshore rigs, and they've lost contact with one of the central ones. And there's this, mm -hmm. what I think is like a really great radio scene where they're trying to get in touch with the base. And it's all quiet and staticky. And like this guy standing in front of the camera being like, no, everything's fine. Do not yeah. come here. I thought, I thought it was really cool. And he, he repeats, he repeats the same phrase over and over again. Mm -hmm. He's just like, all is well, don't come here. All is well, don't come here. I don't remember what exactly what he said, but it was like a repeated mantra mm -hmm. kind of thing. It is. I, I think I like this episode because like it's got almost like I mean like it doesn't do it amazingly, but it's almost got like the thing vibes where it's very isolated. You don't know who to trust. Anyone can be under the control of the thing. Hey Caleb, guess what? I know, I know we've already done it, but the show's starting to figure it out. No no no. I mean, I've never seen the thing. Oh my Mac. Okay. We we actually do need to start a that podcast about the movies. <laughs> Holy shit, The Thing is a good movie. That's I have heard nothing but good things about The Thing. I've just never seen The Thing. I hope you don't like dogs, though. <laughs> good to know. And and then the uh, travelers are stuck in this cell. And 
the doctor like is pushing Jamie up to this grate so that he can climb through and like get to the other side and unlock the door and like it takes him a while and he's like big and bulky so he can't like get through and then he finally pushes through and then he slams onto the ground and then the door just opens because Victoria knows how to pick slot <laughs> and that's great. It, I love that Victorian just knows how to pick locks. <laughs> <laughs> well, she had to find her way around that fucking maze of a house somehow. <laughs> Look, sometimes the doors were locked and it was never clear when they were going to be. You kind of just had to learn. I also feel like there's um, planting seeds about what happens at the end of this episode. I kind of, I, I very much feel in this episode that Victoria's just kind of over the Doctor and Jamie's shit in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since, um, I'm trying to remember when specifically this happened, but Victoria just gets sidelined. The doctor and Jamie go to investigate, and the doctor tells Victoria to, like, go back to the cell or whatever. And Victoria's just like, okay, with, like, all of her fingers crossed behind her back. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, she wanders off more than, like, any of the other companions. Why are you just letting her hang out by herself? Doctor, <laughs> you know she does this. It's one of her character traits. And actually, a very consistent one. It is. It is very consistent. And then we cut over to the Harris household, because there's the, um, <clears throat> there's like the little residential, I've, residential area where like families of the people who work at the company live. You'll never guess what their address is. Go on, guess. It's 420, baby! <laughs> <laughs> Good, good job. I did not pick up on that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this re- th- this episode really is reefer madness. <laughs> Victoria gets trapped in the oxygen room, and she starts getting attacked by the by the weeds. And my last note of this episode is: I've seen enough hentai to know where this is going. I I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> it is just tentacles making their way towards this young girl. <laughs> I was like, oh no. <laughs> Yep, I had the same thought. I don't remember what motivated me to write this, but I do write down that I can't tell if Jamie and Victoria are flirting or acting like siblings. But I think by the end of this, I've concluded the siblings thing. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard to tell. Because they're acting like siblings here, but Jamie has, like, tried to flirt with Victoria multiple times. I don't know. The And the the ending of this story kind of leaves it ambiguous as to what his, what his feelings were. I don't know. We'll leave it somewhere in the middle. Stepsister. So going back to the whole uh, Pornhub thing, um, <laughs> uh, and, but that's that's all I got for episode one. Yep, that's all I've really got. I mean, like it ends with like her being stuck in a room and like the foam is Victoria. Then the foam's coming up and like the seaweed's coming out. And she screams. The foam doesn't really do anything other than hide the weed that's able to move along the floor. Which, uh, this shows my amazing listening skills, but I did not realize it was like a seaweed until like episode four when they... Uh, I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was more like I don't know like gross tentacle stuff like the thing that so Maggie touches like a small one in a briefcase and like it stings her I thought it was like yeah. a sea slug or something mm. well definitely it that one definitely looked like a sea slug that one I'll give you I just assumed it was all I don't know big kind of sea sluggy tentacle stuff that's fair because then after that once I realized it was seaweed I was like are they really getting overpowered by wet plants yeah well i mean it is worth noting that 
I mean, I guess it's spoilers. I don't know. We're about to go into it. If you touch it, it controls you. So yeah, yeah. I guess. Max is gonna end up liking this episode way more. I'm gonna like it way less. <laughs> <laughs> Which I believe that has also happened at some point. I don't remember specifically when. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, but that did happen. Anyways, I'm gonna read episode two now. Do it. The doctor and Jamie arrive just in time to save Victoria from the weeds. Robson thinks she is faking. Harris finds Maggie dazed and frightened, and he decides to ask the doctor for help. While he is gone, she is pursued through she is pursued through her home by the foam. Before her husband arrives, Mr. Quill and Mr. Oak arrive. They are both under control of the seaweed and knock Maggie unconscious before leaving the scene. Van Lutchens and Robson argue about turning the gas off until they figure out what's going on. When the doctor and crew arrive, he says Maggie is in some sort of coma from breathing in the toxic gas that has been leaking all around the facility. Van Lutchens and Robson argue some more. That's really it. This episode is a little uneventful, but it's building yeah. up to something pretty great. We spend a lot of time with Maggie at the beginning of this episode, and I understand why we need to establish Maggie as a character. I just didn't care about anything that was happening around Maggie. <laughs> Uh, see, I, I kind of loved it. I love the first part of this episode because, again, it's got the B-movie horror vibe. The camera's, like, slanted as she's, like, coming through a doorway. There's, like, this, like, synth music going, boo, woo, woo. <laughs> um, It's great. It's good schlocky fun. Yeah, and then she uh, sees two very creepy men who just claim to be like, oh, no, yeah, we were sent by your husband or whatever. Can we come in? And she was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, man, the 60s were a different time, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because like they're, I don't know if it's just the way they're animated, because they didn't look that this bad. And I saw a snippet on Tart the TARDIS wiki. But the animation, they just look so cartoonishly evil. <laughs> yeah, they do. And like, just like that uh, snap facial expressions, like Quill's smile is like very, it's very toothy and also very gummy. Yeah, like his teeth are like his teeth are too small for his mouth, and he's smiling with all of them. It's very weird. <laughs> yeah, very very weird. Good schlocky B horror movie stuff, though. <laughs> I just remembered the episode where uh, you started out high, I started out low when we met in the middle. It was the tenth planet. Yes, that's right. <laughs> the reason that just popped into my head is because my next note is, "Boy, I sure do love technical jargon about gas rigs, don't you?" Because that's what it feels like half the goddamn dialogue in this episode is <laughs> it's world building mac it's technical jargon about shit i don't care about caleb <laughs> yeah admittedly i was painting during this episode so <laughs> i probably just glossed over part of that <laughs> i have very few notes like i have not a lot of notes about the story in general not because i was painting because i only did that for the first two episodes but because i found myself actually just watching i mean that's good that's good yeah uh, I agree that this episode in particular is not all that great because, like, it's a lot of dragging your feet. It's a lot of Robson and Lutchens arguing about the things they argued about in the first episode. Yeah. I really think, especially going to the next episode, it really picks up. But I, honestly, that's all the notes I have on this one. I do love... So Oak and Quill, like, let the gas out of their uh, out of their mouths and it causes Maggie to, to get knocked out. And, like, the whole, whole house starts to fill up with this gas. Um, and then the Traveler's come to the house and they smell the gas and they go into the bedroom and they see her passed out. And the doctor says, Jamie, the windows. And then Jamie takes a chair and chucks it through a window. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Listen, Jamie's all or nothing. He's not going to fidget with any window controls. He's going to break that fucker open. I love him. <laughs> He's a man of action. And then, I, and then I said, I know he doesn't, but I wish Robson dies. Yeah. <laughs> I wish more, surprisingly, for like a very horror movie vibe, this gives off very few people. I don't think anyone dies. Yeah, that was actually one of my trivia notes as a, as a fun fact. No one dies in this episode unless you count the weed monster. Which I don't. <laughs> yeah. I going this is going back a little bit, but I did not realize that I don't is it Quill who's the tall one? Yes. I did not realize that they were letting out he was letting out like the toxic gas until like episode five when the doctor said it <laughs> afterwards. I was like, Oh, is that what he's been doing this whole time? Yeah, they open up their mouths and like the gas like leaks out. Cause it kinda looks like he's just like opening his mouth and like hissing. He's going like ah! and then people are just fainting. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> I mean I I guess I would faint too out of fear. Yeah, they they try to add like a little bit of like a like a warble to the to the air around his mouth in the animated version, but they had no such effects in the in the uh, live action version. So in the live action version, that is exactly what happens. He just goes ah! <laughs> and then people pass out. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's mostly just Technical jargon and uh, Robson getting into arguments with various people. And that's kind of what this episode is. And I'm ready to talk about episode three now. Yeah, because this is when it gets cool. <laughs> the doctor investigates the seaweed in Maggie's apartment. And the crew take it back to the TARDIS to do some experiments. They realize that the seaweed is alive and sentient. Van Lutyens wants Harris to take control of the facility. But Harris is too focused on helping his wife. When Robson returns to his quarters, he is attacked by the seaweed. He runs out of the room, screaming like a madman. Harris commands the men to turn off the gas, but still refuses to take control of the facility. The travelers return to Harris's apartment when they find Maggie gone and the foam everywhere. They narrowly escape the seaweed, and Victoria wonders why they are always in danger. Robson heads to the beach where Maggie stares at the ocean. Under the control of the seaweed, she tells Robson that he knows what he must do before walking beneath the waves. So I'm not entirely sure when this happens. Um, but my first note is, thank God Victoria actually said something happened and then people actually believed her. I don't remember specifically what it is she said that she saw. Is that when they're in the TARDIS? So like they take the, tar they take the seaweed back to the TARDIS to experiment on it. And then the seaweed kind of starts to grow and like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the weed was like was like moving and like tried to get out of the tank and she said she saw it move and if ben were here he'd probably be like ah you're just seeing things because <laughs> that was definitely ben's go-to yeah, move that, that was ben's go-to move it's true this is when i make the note that i hope robin's robson is just an asshole and not under the control of the seaweed which he is which he is i mean he it is both <laughs> This is when I make a note of, wow, I really hate Robson um, because Harris comes back and he says and he's saying how his wife is ill. And Robson says, what is it, a hangover? And I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> Robson, take it up with HR, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe your wife wasn't such a drunk. <laughs> she wasn't such a lushy whore. <laughs> <laughs> but also, Harris is kind of a coward in this episode. Yeah, he's definitely a coward. He is very reluctant to take charge of anything because, like, Robson is, like, obviously, like, having a mental breakdown at the very least. Yeah, uh, And yeah. Van Lutyens is like, you have to take control. We have to turn off the gas and we got to lock Robson away. And not only does he not do any of that, he explicitly tells people that Robson is still in control. <laughs> 
Yeah. Because, like, I, I think I said that he tells him to turn off the gas. He doesn't tell him to do that. He tells him to find Robson. Also, Robson, the guy I told you to find, he's still the boss. Then we go back to the TARDIS, and the Doctor, like, brings out this book and, like, flipping through it. And uh, he thinks he's found what the weed is. And there's, like, a picture of, like, the giant tentacles, like, attacking, like, an older, like, 18th century ship. I was like, so is, so is, like, the weed this world's version of a kraken? Because that's just a straight-up picture of a kraken, if I've ever seen one. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, it's kraken. It must have been seaweed all along. <laughs> of course, makes sense. And then they realize that they, they have stuff they need to do, so then they leave. And I'm like, are you just are you just leaving that weed here in the TARDIS? It it proved um like a couple of minutes ago that it can break out of its container if it wants to. Why are you just leaving your sample here? <laughs> well, if the doctor's not worried about it, it must not be a problem. That's Jamie's logic through half this episode. <laughs> yeah, that is Jamie's logic. Not sure it's mine, though. <laughs> because when we get back to the base, Victoria says something like, why are we always in danger? And I have the note of, good question, Victoria. <laughs> why are we always in danger? <laughs> and then the doctor rebuttals it with the single worst answer to anything I've ever heard in my entire life. Which was? She says, why are we in danger all the time? And the doctor goes, well, that's the spice of life, dear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, uh. wrong, doctor. That is the worst answer to that question. Because the only people who are interested in watching an episode where the companions just hang out in the TARDIS or go on a non-confrontational vacation is me and everybody who writes fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I agree. It wouldn't be fun to watch, but it wouldn't be sensible. Because um, I know it's also Victoria's off... I, yeah. Victoria is officially sensible and cool. <laughs> just in time for her to leave. Yeah, just in time for her to fucking leave the show. <laughs> Which honestly makes her more cool. <laughs> She's just like, I'm too good for this shit. Pieces. <laughs> so Robson is in his quarters because he's had a he's had a breakdown and he's he's resting in his bed. And then someone outside his room just like presses a couple of buttons on this keypad. And then the gas just starts getting let loose into his quarters. And I'm like, do we have just like a designated button to let in the gas into people's <laughs> bedrooms? That seems incredibly unsafe. Why is that button there? <laughs> Listen, Mac, the gas has got to go a lot of ways. Sometimes you just got to share the pipe. <laughs> and yes, I agree with, with, your, with your statement, Caleb, because my next note is this definitely feels like the story is starting to pick up. Mm-hmm. this is another one of many 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 scenarios in which the first two episodes could have just been one mm-hmm. yep i was wondering when it finally occurred to you that victoria's screams are the thing that's repelling the weed the episode where it becomes obvious so like <laughs> episode like five <laughs> yeah <laughs> i knew it going in because some of the trivia has to do with that so like I I was seeing it happen. I was like, oh yep, she's a scream there, and the and the weeds receded. Um, but I was curious when it occurred to you. <laughs> yeah, because I think the because the first time you see it is like in episode like one or like the, technically the beginning of episode two. Beginning of episode two, yeah. Like the weeds start to retreat, but I think I interpret it as like the weeds were aware enough that they weren't gonna be able to get away with it, so they retreated. Mm. So and yeah. not uh, this is so shrill, it's literally killing me. Yeah, and then. I want to say it's Mr. Quill who like uh, pins someone to the ground. Uh, yeah, 
he pins Jamie to the to the wall at some point and starts to let out the gas and then Victoria screams and he like ah gets like a like a headache kind of thing. Yeah, and I think that's episode five because my note in episode five is wait, did Victoria scream knock that guy out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like if Susan was awesome. <laughs> right? Oh man, imagine the powerhouse Susan would be in this story. <laughs> Susan is just like a nuclear bomb. <laughs> <laughs> She screams once in the beginning of the episode, and it, it the story just ends. <laughs> it disintegrates the weed. Then I, I quoted Victoria of saying, I don't really like being scared out of my wits every second. Sometimes I just wish... Oh, never mind. I was like, foreshadowing! <laughs> now that we've kind of mentioned it, I think this episode does a very good job of actually setting up the character exit compared to, mm-hmm. oh, you know, basically every other time a companion has left the show. What are you talking about? There's been plenty of good buildup, like, um... Uh... Well... I'm being facetious, but Susan actually did have a good buildup. <laughs> yeah, Susan's was believable, I guess. Uh, Stephen was declared a god, like, halfway through his arc when he left. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Barbara and Ian's was unexpected, but I I liked it in that instance. In that instance alone, the less we the less we speak about Vicky's departure, the better. Vicky never left. <laughs> Vicky never left. She's still there. She's just like in the back back room, just like let me know when you go somewhere interesting. Um, <laughs> She's like, ah, I seen all this before. <laughs> Dodo, enough said. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Ben and Polly. I don't know. Ben and Polly, I think, also worked. Just because of how in fucking insistent Ben was to get home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can I can see that. Um, again, the only problem with like Ben and Paul is just the fact that like they were gone after the second episode and then they left entirely. Yeah. I agree with Ben's actor. Ben Ben at least just should have been fucking killed off because that would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I assume that we're several several decades away from companions actually getting killed. You'd be surprised. Oh, okay. Mm, but the oh, violence intrigue. <laughs> intrigue. <laughs> Let's talk about the ending. Yeah, I think this is per- my personal favorite moment of the story. I would agree. Yes, because like, oh, it's there's so much intrigue. Like Robson just walks on the beach, and Maggie's there. She turns to her side, and like you can see the ocean in the background. Like the seaweed is coming up her neck, and she goes, "You know what you must do," and then just walks into the water, and the most what the fuck that is awesome thing in the world it was so fucking cool because she just like walks out into the ocean with just like no reaction whatsoever and then just like her head submerges underneath the waves i was like that's so fucking eerie and i love it (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was awesome it's the best part of the story but i I think the story just kind of slaps from here until the end uh but yeah i'm i'm done with episode three time to go into episode four the doctor implores Van Lutchens to do more, but he is helpless until Harris takes more control. Jamie and Victoria rest, and she continues to doubt the doctor and the whole adventuring thing. Van Lutchens explores the lower shaft of the, impale- the impeller, the device that pumps the gas. Down there, he discovers the foam and seaweed and is dragged away. The doctor and Jamie go down to look for him, but Quill and Oak trap them down there. They narrowly manage to escape, and they meet Jones, a company executive sent to investigate the situation. She doesn't believe any of the reports about the seaweed, even after the doctor's first-hand account. Jamie finds Victoria in the pipeline room, and the main cast enters just in time to see several seaweed pushed into view. 
The doctor says this is the, the first assault as part of the seaweeds invasion. I actually don't have a whole lot of notes about this because a lot of the things I, I mentioned are just things we've already talked about. I do like Victoria's second scene where she's implying she's not happy because like because they're they're going down to sleep and victoria's like okay but like what's the doctor going to do and jamie's just like i don't know but he'll do something he always does and victoria's just like okay but like what if he doesn't mm-hmm. jamie's just like ah eh, he will she's like okay but what if he doesn't though <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's what i like about this episode is like there's a lot more of like what i feel like are genuine character moments mm-hmm. for the companions and not like forced things <laughs> yeah yeah i would agree with that like i i really like all the scenes of victoria downing everything and then my only i i really like this episode i watched it pretty intently because my first note is i love these sweet skull looking oxygen masks <laughs> yeah they're so fucking metal they're awesome have you ever played um or seen the game code vein yes yeah th- that's what it reminded me of it's just like the masks that they wear when they go out into the surface oh uh, yeah it was just red it also seemed very like warhammer 40,000 y because <laughs> like warhammer 40k is all about the skulls <laughs> i was actually i was actually calling this and i was wrong i thought that robson was going to be too stubborn to be mind controlled like i i predicted like him breaking out of it because like they shut down the pipe or whatever he's like no no you do not shut down the pipe like that's what i thought was gonna happen yeah uh didn't but didn't but oh, well. you know it would have been cool it's okay i'm not the professional writer so i guess i'm wrong um. <laughs> <laughs> i don't think the doctor who writers are the professional writers either <laughs> so well, they haven't hired those guys yet i have the note of yes let the violence ensue which i'm assuming is referencing van lechen's getting dragged down the shaft <laughs> yeah which by the way the actor who plays him was very nervous uh because that was like a really just like the way they had the set rigged up um like he basically had to fall down and like land on this platform beneath the beneath the foam but the foam did like completely cover him and he almost missed his footing and he would have like fallen even further and like seriously hurt himself but luckily he did catch himself but he was like because of the foam and it took forever for them to be able to clear out the foam anytime they were done on set they would not have realized that something was wrong until it was way too late. And so he was like, oh my god. Oh, that was so close. <laughs> <laughs> Big yikes. <laughs> well, the Van Lutten's actor is officially metal as fuck. <laughs> it really does feel like they should be wearing hazmat suits when they go down there, though. I'm just saying. Like, yeah. the gas mask is cool and all, but maybe maybe some more protection. <laughs> nah, they just need to breathe. They're fine. Uh, then my next note is, my god, Reefer Madness was right. The weed will make you act erratic and kill you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's basically all that's happening. Like, Oak and Quill are just, like, obviously super suspicious the whole time, and no one stops them. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, we're going to leave every time they mention someone be- working for the seaweed. And, like, we're going to press all these buttons and then walk out. Yeah, and <laughs> then I make note. Turns out this is true. I think Caleb's going to relate to Victoria's reason for leaving. <laughs> I actually argue that I think this episode kind of... It felt like the momentum was being brought down, but that was that was just my perspective. I think it drags a little bit because like, they spend too long with like Jamie and the Doctor being trapped in the uh, shaft. Yeah. There's some piddling about, about that, but I think I... I think I was just excited about the potential of violence. <laughs> <laughs> Because I crave it. I yearn for violence. I know you do. (laughs) 
I, I do think overall, I agree that this episode probably could have been four. If it was four, it'd probably be perfect. <laughs> hmm, yeah. I also make this note because I think this is true. So there's a guy in the kind of like the main office area named Price. He's the one in charge yeah. of like communicating with everyone. I don't yeah. think until the next episode we see his face. What do you mean? I mean, like, at least in the times I was looking at the screen, at least, Price always seemed to be looking at a computer screen, but never, like, turned to look at anyone. I swear to God I did not see his face until episode five. That That's on you, because, yeah, no, you see his face regularly. He is always looking at a screen. I'll give you that. But, like... Yeah, he, you see him. <laughs> I swear, I swear you did that. Because I was every, every time they were in that room, I was like, all right, we're going to see Price's face. I'd be like, oh my God, turn around, please. I mean, you, you can check it again, but I, I'm pretty sure he reminded me a lot of not Cyril. Who's the who's the blonde guy from Archer? The one with the mustache. Oh, um, the gay one. What is his name? Yeah. Yeah, he does remind me of that guy. He looked like him, but without the mustache. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. The animation itself is just a low budget archer, so yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I could have sworn you didn't see Price's face, and now my enjoyment factor of the episode actually just drops significantly because I really <laughs> like the fact that I didn't see the guy's face. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to have brought it down for you. I don't. I guess I'm just an idiot, or I don't pay attention enough. But uh, that's that's all I got for that episode. Like I said, the momentum kind of dropped a little bit for me here. Well, I'll read episode five where things get wild. <laughs> All the offshore rigs are out of control and under attack. The Doctor and his friends narrowly escape the pipe room as the seaweed busts out. Victoria's screams seem to keep the, keep the creatures at bay. Robson's condition is deteriorating quickly and Harris has him put under guard. Jamie and Victoria follow Oak and Quill and after getting into a fight, Victoria's screaming once again saves the day. The Doctor takes note of this. In the madness, Robson grabs Victoria. Harris finally takes control as Robson gets a helicopter and heads out with Victoria to the central rig. The Doctor and Jamie pursue him in their own helicopter. They arrive at the rig, now covered in foam. They enter and follow Victoria's voice calling for help. Once inside, they see a mass of foam and Robson and the other victims emerge covered in seaweeds and greet the Doctor. Remind me what the, um, the administrator's name is. What, what is her name? Um, Jones. Jones. Megan, yeah, Megan Jones. Robson's freaked out. He's in the he's in his room and um she says that she'll go talk to him. She says, I'm old friends with Robson, he'll trust me. Then she asks Harris and the doctor to come with her when she goes to confront him. And I'm like, I'm old friends with Robson, he'll trust me. Person he hates, complete stranger, come with me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that'll work. That'll work. It's like good cop, bad cop. And then uh, Victoria is just kind of hanging out with everyone. And then Oak and Quill, who, if I'm remembering correctly, have already kidnapped her at one point. Yes. That was yeah. in the last episode. Yeah. Oak and Quill come into the main central area. And then Victoria looks over and just, like, gives them a squinty eye. And they give her a side eye. And then they go back to business. And I'm like, did, did Victoria not realize that it was those two <laughs> that kidnapped her? I think I think they were wearing masks when that happened. So, because there's something about the oxygen is like toxic to people with the seaweed. Okay, maybe, but like those two have very distinct body types. <laughs> like one of them, it, like it is a Mario and Luigi kind of scenario. One of them is short and stocky. <laughs> the other one is a fucking beanpole. Like it is. <laughs> you could pick those out in a crowd. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I do. I fucking love the fact that Victoria's screams is what they use to fight off the weed because that is like the third time that she's used what is typically indicative of 
a weak, scared woman to her advantage. Mm-hmm. Like in Tomb of the Cybermen, she used it to distract what's her face when they when she was being held at gunpoint. Um, in Ice Warriors, she used the she used the crocodile tears to like distract the guard. It was just. And then now this is literally the weapon they use to defeat the monster. It's good. It's good. I love it. Victoria's great. <laughs> yeah, I know. I agree. I've come around Victoria. I think she's awesome. And then Robson kidnaps uh, Victoria and then puts her in a car and then drives over to the airfield. The little stop sign gate thing lifts up so that he could drive through and then he puts her in a helicopter and then flies off and i'm like i guess robson being kept under armed guard was news that just didn't reach the airfield because like who the fuck opened that gate for him (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh my good pal robson (laughs) oh yeah of course hey boss man come on through i think what i like about robson in this episode is not really anything that happens but just the fact that like every time you see him he looks worse Yeah, no, he looks more and more disheveled with each passing scene. Uh, and it's awesome. Like, at first it's just bags in his eyes, and then he's all sweaty, and then he's got... It looks like there's, like, a growth on his cheek at one point. It's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. I like yeah, it. Yeah, and, like, his hair is all messed up. Yeah, that that's one of the reasons why I was, like... I wonder if Robson's gonna, like, fight off the mind control, because that, to me, was, like, visual representation of Robson putting up a fight. Because, like, Oak and Quill don't look like that. They look like whatever. Mm-hmm. Look like their normal selves, but Robson looks like physically pained to be doing what he's doing right now. So that's why I thought he was going to have like a moment where he turns on the weed creature. Again, it's weird that it didn't happen. Yep. Most of most of this uh most of this episode is just an extended car chase, basically. Kind of, yeah. Because it's Robson taking Victoria to the central rig and the doctor and Jamie pursuing. <laughs> Which before they go, the doctor is like, we have to go rescue Victoria. And Jones is like, no, you can't do that. You're the only one who has any idea what's going on. You need to stay here to help us. And it really felt like a like a Telltale Games style of choice of whether the doctor should go or stay. And he decides to go to rescue Victoria. And all I thought was, Megan will remember that. <laughs> <laughs> That white bar is slowly draining at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, thank God Jamie rode in a helicopter in any of the world, or he'd be really freaked out right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is just regular stuff at this point. Um, and I didn't realize until until it was mentioned that someone else was driving the helicopter. Yeah. There's a shot of them heading towards it, and it looks like there's only two people in the helicopter. But no, there was a pilot, because he flies away. And then, so they get into the base, and they hear Victoria calling for help. And Jamie's like, oh, she's this way. And the doctor's like, now wait, wait. What would you do if you were a seaweed monster uh, and you were trying to lure us in? He's like, oh, I'd set a trap. And Jamie goes, what should we do? And the doctor's like, well, we're going to walk into the trap, obviously. (laughs) Obviously, but we're going to do it super (laughs) sneaky-like. But, but, like, we know it's a trap. So is it even really a trap? And then I make the note of they must have had a bunch of, like, excess foam from Web of Fear. (laughs) <laughs> because the foam looks exactly like the fungus did last time. They're like, look, guys, we bought five hundred gallons. We bought five hundred thousand gallons of foam, and we still got three hundred thousand. <laughs> Tell the writers to write another foam episode. So just dump it all on this rig. Just fucking cover the motherfucker in foam. <laughs> so yeah, so they go into the room and like it's filled with foam, and then like Robson just like 
slowly emerges from it, and then all the other people <laughs> succumb to the seaweed, come up behind him, and he goes, hello, doctor, we've been waiting for you. To which my note is, ah, the story is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> which is weird, because my last note is, I wonder how lame the weed monster looked in live action. <laughs> <laughs> I, I make I make that note in the next episode, because uh, I, I don't know what it is. I fucking love, like, hive mind mind horror i guess <laughs> it, it's always cool there's no such thing as doing it wrong <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's all i've got in this episode mm-hmm. uh episode six the seaweed wants to manipulate the doctor and use him to control the facility jamie saves victoria and the doctor uses her screams to escape they board the stolen helicopter and leave the base dodging massive seaweed tentacles along the way once back at the base the doctor tells his cr- the crew he knows how to beat the seaweed He develops a device that manipulates Victoria's screams and allows it to be projected to wireless speakers. Sea monsters attack the base, and they are successfully able to beat the monsters back with the sonic blasters. This also somehow defeats the central intelligence, and the rig gets back into contact. Everyone has a celebratory dinner, but Victoria doesn't seem too happy. She decides she wants to stay with Harris and Maggie, who graciously welcome her. Jamie is upset about this, though. Nonetheless, the two leave on the TARDIS, and Victoria waves them goodbye. That, for me, this is the episode where everything kind of goes wrong. Wait, can we agree that the, like, as as cool as it is that, like, Victoria's screams are used, are used as a weapon and she helps save the day. Can we also agree that that's a really weird-ass weakness for such a scary monster? Yes, I agree. I was like, I do like it, but why? <laughs> But why? It reminds me of the aliens from Signs being weak to water, so they invaded exactly a planet covered covered seventy percent water. It's just like if your weakness is going to be screams, maybe don't make yourself so fucking scary, so people's first reactions won't be screams when they see you. <laughs> just throwing that out there. <laughs> well, because it's also weak to oxygen. Because I thought that had that note too. It's like if it's weak to oxygen, a why is it in the water, and b. Why go to the surface? (laughs) (laughs) So, like, this monster is cool. It's also objectively stupid. (laughs) And that's classic B-movie horror. (laughs) (laughs) I have to know of... So, wait, Victoria wasn't a trap? Because Jamie kind of, like, walks off to save Victoria while the doctor is talking to the sea woman monster. And he just kind of gets her, it seems. Like, it seems like she was just standing in the other room. Yeah, she was just being held off in a side room. Um, and then she screams, and that does the uh, that makes the monsters like coil back in fear. Um, and the doctor says, "Do it again." And I have a note of again with gusto. <laughs> when they go out to the the helicopter and uh, they get in uh, the one that um, Robson used, I do like that the doctor name dropped Astrid. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Yeah, I I watched Astrid." pilot this thing i should i i I think i've got it i should be fine um and then he's like oh wait no i don't know how to pilot this thing this is a lot more complicated than i thought it was oh crap (laughs) yeah it's like (laughs) like, it's a primitive machine how hard can it be it's like doctor you don't know how to fly your own highly advanced machine (laughs) i know i did like that i i have the so after this part they're going to escape the base and then like these big tentacles come out of the water and try and swat them. It's very like dead spacey. Yeah. And I had to know of like, I'm glad this part is animated because I'm sure this looked terrible in live action. Oh, 100%. There there was a part that happened that I'm, that I would have bet money 
they added into the animated version, but then the doctor actually notates it out loud because like he's weaving, ducking and weaving in between all these giant tentacles. And then at one point he does like a full loop de loop and, <laughs> and to avoid one. And uh, I was like, that's something that was clearly added into the animated version just for fun. But then the doctor says, I didn't know helicopters could do loop de loops. <laughs> <laughs> and now then I, and then I've been saying Googling. Can helicopters do loop de <laughs> So after they escape, they kind of like get into contact with the helicopter that brought them there. And like uh-huh. the doctor's having trouble controlling it. And the guy kind of coaches the doctor on how to fly the helicopter. And I swear to God, it's longer than the actual escape sequence. I think it is. That scene does go on for a while. I'm like, oh my God, come on. Can we just get back to the base? I don't need to see this part. Uh, but then they do get to the, back to the base. Somehow they do not crash into a flaming inferno yeah because the document says uh well i know how to fly it now but how do i land it and then hard cut to the base them <laughs> arriving uh don't yeah. worry about it doctor you uh, it. don't worry about it the answer is this episode's 24 minutes long and we just spent three minutes getting you to fly it again the doctor is like i mean i can bail out and then regenerate but these two might be screwed <laughs> um, but then i think it's harris that he has this conversation with I've summed up this conversation that the doctor had with Harris very succinctly. I hope you'll enjoy it. We must fight. No, we can't. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes. Okay. Yep. There, I just saved you some time. <laughs> Basically, that's a huge chunk of the, the next part of the episode when, you know, the doctor has his brilliant plan. My favorite part is like when he's like, fi- he's building this like box to record Victoria's screams. And mm-hmm. she's suddenly just very reluctant to do it. She suddenly has stage fright. She's like, well, I can't just, like, pull it out on a whim, you know? It's got to have a build-up, you know? It's got to be natural. And then she and then she does the screen, but she, partly the animation, you know, partly the concept of the scene, she just seems like she's annoyed doing it. Like, it's like an annoyed yell. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, then the full seaweed monsters attack. Which, which is... Just, like, people in ghillie suits. That's all it looks yeah, like. Yeah, it, that's all it looks like. And, man, it is underwhelming because the doctor just beats them immediately. Most of the tension is just the people not following his orders as soon as he tells them to do it. It would have been way more intimidating if it were just, like, huge tentacles just, like, <laughs> bursting through the hallways. Um, mm-hmm. That would have been cool. Um, but instead, we get Swamp Thing and his buddies. So they beat it back with, like, the sonic blaster things the doctor invents. And that somehow kills all of it. You know what I... Well, never mind. I I was going to say, you know what I just realized? Does the Doctor hear an episode one? Far back, very beginning of episode one. Does the Doctor hear the noise in the pipe and that's what causes him to move the panel? Or does he move the panel just to see what's in it and then then he hears the noise? I think he... I thought he heard the noise first. Yeah, I think so too. But it would have been so cool if he was just curious about it. So he used the sonic screwdriver to like open up the panel and that's when he heard the the monster because like the sonic screwdriver was like agitated it. Oh, so the doctor caused all the problems. BBC, you can email me or contact me in any way you want, but I'm telling you, I got ideas. Hire me, goddammit. <laughs> we will rewrite the first three doctors. That'd be fun. And then just, we won. Yep, basically. 
don't don't worry about how or why we just did <laughs> yeah basically uh the only way i can interpret it is like the seaweed monster things were the the leaders i guess maybe but why why would they do that <laughs> i feel like i do analogs to chess a lot whenever i'm comparing stuff maybe not like on this podcast but just like in general but this would be like keeping all of your pieces back but moving the king forward mm-hmm. to like try and to try and win i'm like no you keep it if you lose that you lose <laughs> why would you have the central nervous system of the monster being the vanguard of your attack force it doesn't make any sense yeah it doesn't because but i mean i don't know how else they would destroy it because like they kind of beat it out of the room and the doctor's like well that about does it <laughs> yeah mission accomplished and then they get back a hold of um central command and maggie and robson are there and they're like, is the foam gone? And Robson like turns around and looks at the room and goes, yep, it's gone. <laughs> Which is why I get my suspicion. My headcanon for this is the foam was not defeated and the Subaru monster is still in control of everyone. <laughs> I'll take it. It's during that video call where they're like, is it all gone? They're like, yes, it's all it's all been defeated. And everybody just like cheers and throws up some graduation caps that they had on hand for some reason. And... Um, I was just like, this feels too tidy. It feels too tied up with a neat little bow. (laughs) We should have had at least one casualty is all I'm saying. (laughs) Yep, I agree. I agree. Because this is when I realized, like, I don't think anyone died in this episode. So much for a horror movie. Yeah. But yeah, and then we get to the big moment when Victoria. uh, So, like, they have, like, they're having, like, a little dinner or whatever. Uh, and Robson is weirdly cordial to the doctor, even though, again, he has no reason to be. <laughs> well, I mean, he did just save his life. He was just in the con- in control, being controlled by a seaweed monster, and then the doctor saved him. But tell me it's not within Robson's character to just be so indignant he would refuse to acknowledge that. I mean, it absolutely would. I'm just saying there is a reason why, but it would. there's also a reason why he wouldn't. I do agree. But anyways, we'll go back to Robson in a second. Uh, I want to talk about Victoria because she she's the only person who doesn't seem happy. And she basically says, you know what? After having my entire life destroyed by Daleks and then almost being entombed by Cybermen and then after have, being trapped in the tunnels of the Great Intelligence and then being kidnapped by this hentai monster, I think I'm done. <laughs> I think I'm ready to tap out. And I'm like, you know what, Victoria... I 100% get it. <laughs> yeah, and then there this this point that I thought of is brought up and she has a very solid argument for it because they're like, but like this is almost 100 years ahead of your time. Why do you want to stay here? And she's like, I have literally literally nothing waiting for me back home. If anything, I just have bad memories waiting for me back home. This is as good as anything. <laughs> and I was like, that's a that's a solid point. She really does have nothing going for her. <laughs> yep. And like I, I I appreciate I mean she's not really indignant, but like she's just like accepting. She's like, whatever I'm gonna do here, I know it's better than the next thing that's gonna happen on the TARDIS. <laughs> yeah. And I I do really like that. I like that it's well within her motivation. It's it's built up. I really like her um departure. I would have liked a line, a line or two that implied that, I don't know, the Harrises were trying to have a children, but having child, but like couldn't. 
something. Yeah. Something to imply. Because it's kind of it's kind of like she's just staying with the Harrises for right now until she can get on her feet. But it also almost feels like she's been adopted by the Harrises. Because like they have like a group hug at the very end. I thought that too, because I, I thought it was weird. Because I interpreted it as like, yeah, you know, I'll stay with the Harrises to get on my feet for a little bit. And then they, like, hold hands at the end. I was like, so wait, is she, like, their daughter now? Yeah, which, like, uh, that's fine. She's, I mean, one of her biggest whole things was that she was, she was missing her parents. So, like, I get it. That's fine. It just, it feels like they could have been made a little bit clearer mm-hmm. if that's the direction they were going. Um. So, yeah, so before we get into Goodbye, My Dear, I want to, I want to spin my head cannon out a little bit for you. Okay, hit me. Robson, they're at the dinner, right? Robson's uh-huh. like, well, I got to get up and go. Shake your hand. Shake your hand. Fuck you, doctor. And goes to walk <laughs> out. And there's just something about the way his animation, like, dramatically turns to look at the table before he shuts the door on the party. That's super eerie to me. And then he uh, he goes and, like, he basically relieves one of the engineers from one of their duties. And you could 100% read the scene as, uh, Robson's just going back to being the asshole he always was. Uh-huh. Unless... Something is motivating him to really get back in charge again. And then uh, when Victoria... No, I, I, I've... The whole time Victoria's been in Campania, I've almost called her Vicky relentlessly. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. Maggie seems really shady, too, to me. I don't know what it is. There's something about it. <laughs> it just feels wrong to me. So I really love the idea of, like, Victoria waving them goodbye. And then she goes and holds Maggie in Harris's hand. Then you see the seaweed squirm from under Maggie's sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, headcanon, the fu- I called it the Fury. Headcanon, the Fury is still alive and controlling everyone. I will write the fanfic of Jamie and the Doctor returning to Victoria being queen of the seaweed. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Then we, we didn't really talk about another scene where, um, because Victoria says that she's thinking of staying here. And Jamie's like, but you can't, you can't, you got to come with us. And the doctor's like, no, Jamie, if she wants to leave, she can leave. We can't force her. And Victoria's just like outside, just like on the back porch. He's like looking up at the stars and Jamie comes out and, and talks to her. And they kind of have, they kind of have a moment mm-hmm. of Jamie wondering, is there anything that he can do to make her stay? And she's like, it's you and the doctor that's making it so difficult to to leave to stay because being with the two of them was the one upside to everything that they were dealing with and um it looked like jamie wanted to say something but then decided not to and like kissed the top of her head and then went back inside and i, I thought that was a very very sweet scene I yeah really liked it. no i really like that scene too this scene this story has very good character moments especially between jamie and victoria it does yes um this is also the scene where it felt more like a sibling thing it's ambiguous but it it feels more like uh i care about you and not uh i'm secretly in love with you thing i think it's definitely a sibling thing from victoria's perspective i've i did not get a romantic feeling off of victoria whatsoever jamie i think is a little bit more ambiguous i think an argument could definitely be made that he had a crush on victoria yeah i can definitely say it well i mean he does flirt with her multiple times but yeah yeah case in point but on that note Time for everyone's favorite segment, Goodbye My Dear, with Victoria Waterfield. I mean, we've talked, we've said it several times. I really like Victoria. Not to give too much away, but from what I recall, I could be wrong. I I could be proven wrong, but I think 
this is my favorite TARDIS team with the second Doctor. It's Jamie and Victoria. I really like the combo. And I know she didn't really have, like, the strongest of starts in Evil of the Daleks, but honestly, just by the end of Tomb of the Cybermen, I was like, yep, I'm on board. I like Victoria. I liked that her character was very consistent in that, like, she was very curious about everything around her, which gave her good reason to not only travel, but also, like, wander into places she shouldn't be in and get into trouble. Um, like in uh, Abominable Snowmen and Web of Fear and this one. But I think my favorite trait of hers is that is how consistently she used the screams and the tropes of the the weak damsel in distress to her advantage mm-hmm. in whatever situation she was in. I thought that was just like so cool. As for favorite moment, I think it would probably be when she and the doctor are discussing dealing with grief in Tomb of the Cybermen. I really, really like that scene. I know you had some problems with it, but I, I really enjoyed it. But a, a a close second would probably be the crocodile tears in Ice Warriors. Mm, that's a good one. Uh, I don't. I think everyone knows my opinion on Victoria starting out. <laughs> if you don't <laughs> l- listen to the evil of the Daleks again, I was not thrilled at all. But I think I really appreciate Victoria as a companion because I kind of got to saw her gr- grow. I got to see her grow into someone else. Mm-hmm. She started off as you know the kind of like perceived weak willed damsel in distress. I mean, classic Victorian woman. Uh, to someone who, like, yeah, certainly still had, like, those stereotypical damsel qualities, but she used them to her advantage. I agree. She was very curious. And um, she she seems more fully realized as a person by the end, which mm-hmm. makes her arc of, hey, you know what? I've had enough. It's so believable to me. Yeah. Now that you mentioned it, yeah, it's true. Like, she does start out with just, like, in Evil of the Dalek, she's never not kidnapped, but by by Fury of the Deep, she is her own independent person who can stand on her own two feet, and that's why she's like, I don't I don't really need you guys anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like you really feel like she's like coming out of her shell in a lot of ways, and she's ready to just move on to the next step of not being fucking murdered every ten minutes. So yeah, so in the end, I really liked her. I, I would She's definitely up there on the companion list. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's only four to choose from. So, <laughs> she's anywhere between the top and bottom 25th percentile. So, <laughs> what's your favorite moment? Oh, I don't think it's really like a specific moment because, like, it would be hard to pin down. But her arc throughout this story, I think, is just my favorite. <laughs> Make a compilation video of that, but like. Her growth of, like, doubting the Doctor and being like, why are we always in danger? And then, like, her face when he's like, well, that's the spice of life, dear. She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, And I know a lot of that was the animators recreating that, but I thought it read very well. Uh, But I also really like her scene with Jamie on the balcony where she's, like, rejecting the premise of the TARDIS, at least. Yeah. Uh, Where he wants her to keep adventuring. She's like, no. Like... It, it, it's hard, but it's no. Yeah. I really like that. It kind of adds to the idea that I, I feel like she's her own person now. Mm-hmm. Shall I move on to trivia? Yes, let's do trivia. All right. So this is uh, the final episode to be completely missing. 
Everything else is just partially missing from here on out. This episode was originally a radio play, but uh, producer Peter Bryant read it and thought that it would make for a good Doctor Who episode. So he asked the writer, Victor Pemberton, if he could adapt it for television. Mm. And I'm sure Victor Pemberton was like, hell yeah, you can. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. There's an additional... I'm going to try to be vague about this. So in the original uh, radio play, the character who was basically playing the role of the doctor, the original, was played by an actor who would later go on to be a recurring role in Doctor Who. Hmm. It's kind of neat. I'm not going to tell you who it was or what role they played, but (laughs) the final confrontation scene with the weed creature had to be filmed all in one go because of the complexity of the scene and due to the large amounts of foam that were used due to the large amounts of foam that they were used they couldn't rehearse it (laughs) (laughs) so they had to do it all in one go (laughs) that's hilarious yes the foam fight was not scripted um nobody dies oh yeah you're gonna love this one Instead of Victoria's scream in the original draft, um, they were going to be defeated by Jamie playing bagpipes. (laughs) (laughs) I want that version. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so final thoughts. Final thoughts. I still really like this episode. Yes, it's flawed, but God damn it, it's so much fun. But that is like 100% like just more leaning into my aesthetic. I did move it up a little bit. It is still technically in my bottom five but it is number five in my bottom five so so we can fix that so it can it can be pushed out we just need to watch a really shitty episode that's all we need that's all we need i don't know maybe it was because of the animation style or something i don't i did it's very difficult to describe but it feels like a lot of this story Maybe I need to rewatch it, but it it feels like a lot of it was actors standing around not knowing whose line is next. That's that's how I would describe it. That's how I describe the pacing. Maybe I'm crazy, but that, that's that's how it felt like to me. I don't know. I felt like that. Like it, it's not any worse than any other episodes. I would think. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because that happens a lot. That happens a lot more than I don't know. Maybe you realize, Mac. <laughs> maybe. Maybe you're just hanging on this episode for things the show does all the time. <laughs> that's fair i did like how the village was just an amorphous entity with no real evil intention other than just reproduce and grow Mm -hmm. Um, and i do like victoria's departure was very good it was expected but it was still sad to see her go and she'll definitely be missed dobson reminded me of clint from ice warriors a little bit just like in terms of just stubbornness and being placed in a position of power and just like my complete contempt for them robson at least has a little bit of an uptick <laughs> at the end, <laughs> whereas Clint didn't. And I think I'm just, <sighs> I think I'm just getting tired of the base under siege plot structure. And upon reflection, maybe that's one of the reasons why enemy of the world felt so good. It's because it wasn't that. <laughs> oh yeah, it wasn't though. <laughs> the basement coming to like the very end. Like it didn't even really have like, a base that needed defending. <laughs> yeah, if anything, they were attacking the base. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, those are my final thoughts. What yeah. about you? 
nope, same thing. Uh, I more, I really liked this episode. I think the things that are wrong with it are things that are wrong with most of the episodes. Mm-hmm. I just really like the spooky vibes throughout. Uh, I love, it's not really cosmic horror, but like I love hive mind, like horrors beyond your comprehension stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hammy in a lot of the horror, which I just, I love. <laughs> and I think Victoria's, Departure is the first genuinely earned one. Again, wow, I like Barbara and, I- Barbara and Ian's. It, it was just so unexpected. This is the first one where I feel like it builds to it and 100% earns it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I thought it was very good. And now I will look back fondly on Victoria. <laughs> well, that's good. I, I'm glad I'm glad that you came around to Victoria because I like her. And I'm just amazed. Surely at this point, well, maybe not. Has Jamie surpassed Barbara and Ian? Not yet. Not yet, but he will. I was like, at this point, there's no way he doesn't. We gotta be coming up on it. He has surpassed Susan, though. Mm, okay. Barbanian still hold uh, a ward for longest running companions, but uh, they're getting sweaty. <laughs> yeah. I was just cause like, now I'm like, oh my god, we got we're Victoria before we got rid of Jamie. How fucking long is Jamie gonna be on this show? <laughs> well, that's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, the best thing you can do is give it five stars and tell your friends about it. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, all the major podcast things. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at QuickTripDW. And if you want to follow Mac and I individually, you can follow Mac at MacTheMeh. And I actually changed my Twitter handle. You can find me at CelebrityWriter. Oh, I did not know you changed your Twitter handle. <laughs> yeah, I'm bringing, I'm bringing back the celebrity branding because it's all right. stupid. <laughs> You can also follow Mac's YouTube channel, also called Mac the Meh, where he does insightful videos about video games. And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time, in which I'm proved to be a liar, and we meet an old friend in... The Wheel in Space. Yeah.